Welcome to another edition of WVD Monthly, presented by Zintegra, with your host Andy Whiteside and Pete Downing, your source for all things Azure and Microsoft WVD. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode one of What's New in WVD. I'm your host, Andy Whiteside. I'm being joined today by Pete Downing, who will be with me every month. Uh, The goal here is to do a um, a monthly podcast and talk about what Microsoft has released in their blog, their their monthly blog associated with Windows Virtual Desktop, uh, and make sure we're getting that content out to people and give you another way to consume it. Pete, how's it going? Ah, it's going good, Andy. Um, can't complain. It's we just got off a nice three day weekend, so you know, hey, the weather was nice, and uh, it's it's a a good way to end the summer, so to speak. Yeah, the weather in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina today is uh, very nice. End of summer weather. I'm I'm absolutely certain there's a heat wave coming. Uh, we're not done by nah, any means. Nah. You're you're <laughs> new to the area. Uh, you'll see. Yep. Yeah. No, I'm excited about doing this podcast. Uh, you know, I think the you know, there's a lot of great changes that happen with WVD and, and as they unroll, we can talk about them, the pros and cons and, and how things have been going in the, the world of WVD. Right. So I talked to two customers today and they're all trying to figure out what their future looks like. Um, and that's specifically around Citrix or VMware horizon and WVD uh, and Windows 10, you know, multi-session enterprise desktops, they they know that Azure-related desktops is somewhere that they want to go for some of their business, uh, and they're really curious to see what Microsoft does to, to take a step forward in terms of making WVD a, a real uh, enterprise-class solution to compete with the likes of VMware Horizon and, and Citrix, uh, Citrix virtual apps and desktops. Yeah, it's it definitely is interesting, and you know what makes it interesting, in my opinion, is that you know Microsoft is moving fast, but they also recognize they have to focus on the stability and scalability of WVD. So, yeah, there's still parity issues between you know let's say a Citrix and a in a WVD client, um, and so the question I think a lot of customers need to ask is, you know, is the native experience good enough uh, versus you know customers who are already running a Citrix or a VMware. And, you know, then those customers need to look at is a, does switching make sense? And in, in a lot of cases it doesn't, but, you know, I think Microsoft will, you know, quickly enhance their client as, as things unfold in the next, you know, I'll say year. Yeah. Well, here's a, here's an interesting topic for you. Uh, do you remember when VMware first got into the desktop and app virtualization side of the business and it wasn't just virtual machine virtualization anymore? In other words, they, they stepped into the, the world that Citrix has lived in for, for you know, X number of years before that. Do you remember at that point in time, we all felt like, oh, it'll take them decades to get caught up. And arguably, VMware has not uh, has, has caught up with Citrix and they're, they're very similar in capabilities. One has one feature, the other one might not have. But for the most part, it's it's feature for feature, and that that's really kind of happened in the last uh, I don't know six, seven, five years. Uh, and you know, if you'd asked me five years ago, I'd have told you it would take forever to get caught up or close. Uh, and now, and now they're pretty much there. Do you think think we'll be saying the same thing about Microsoft in five years? Yeah, I definitely do. I think you and I will be uh, you know focused on 
drastically different uh, areas of the business when it got, you know, five years out and it will encompass a lot of Microsoft, I have a feeling. So um, well, think but, about it too. Microsoft doesn't have nearly as far to come. They've, they've been doing some of this stuff for 20 plus years now. They were, they were in, in the trenches with Citrix way back in the day. So it's not like they're starting from scratch either. No, no. And that's the thing. I mean, they, you know, you got the RDP client built right into the OS and they're essentially taking that and they kind of rewinded it a little bit, uh, but they're bringing it back to the forefront of, you know, getting full parity with even what's there today. And then, and then focused on enhancements with uh, the remote desktop client. So it's going to be interesting to see how fast they move, uh, you know, in the client side of the, the, you know, the space, the access side of the space. And then, you know, the other big area is going to be interesting to watch is the partner ecosystem and what partners will do. So, you know, we can talk about a lot of the ecosystem partners and what they're doing to enhance some of the, the features such as like MSIX and AppAttach or, you know, even displaying apps and desktops, right? Uh, there's a lot of great ecosystem partners that are trying to help Microsoft and in, in, in enhance their uh, functionality. So... Well, that, that's another good conversation, too. It's, I, I've never seen a mainstream product like this get embraced by so many third-party vendors so quickly. It's like it's a little bit of a pent-up demand for another option to be able to, to bolt onto and integrate with. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and it's just, it's, you know, you have the flat, you know, you have your Lighthouse partners, which is the, 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 the program that Microsoft created. And it's just amazing to see those partners and how fast they move. So, you know, we have a lot of those partners in our, in our stack, you know, vendors like Liquidware and Nerdio and Lakeside Software. Those are just, you know, just a few. And the things they're doing to help enhance um, the offering is just staggering. And, and, and then, you know, they're, you know, if it wasn't for those ecosystem partners, the product wouldn't be where it is today. No. To me, it's kind of like when a new airline shows up out of out of nowhere in, in a town, an airport, large major airport, and you're like, well, they'll never survive. And then next thing you know, they have something unique about them. And then everybody's talking about them. And they went from, uh, you know, they're not going to make it to uh, they're one of they're one of the players now in that airport. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. And, it, you know, the other the other interesting thing is the situation we're in right now, which is the whole, you know, pandemic and how that forced a lot of companies to rethink their remote work strategy. And, and you can, you know, honestly say that, Hey, WVD gained the benefit, <laughs> you know, gain, you, you know, is where it is today because of that. Uh, but it definitely, you know, the whole scenario we're in is has forced a lot of it enterprise uh, to really rethink their remote work strategy. And not only from a access, but also from a scalability and adoption and, and best of breed point of view. And so obviously Microsoft's at the top there and it's enabling a lot of companies to really embrace this remote work remote remote from you know remote from anywhere strategy right well it's interesting you say that because uh one of the key pieces of the microsoft story as well as the amazon story and and not the google story uh is that they have the iaz workload behind it and the ability to scale up uh and scale out i really scale out uh as needed i mean that's being built for lots of use cases and virtual desktops just happens to fall right in the same bucket with those use cases is being built for web scale technologies yeah no i agree and um and you know we'll talk about a lot about this uh, you know as we start unfolding some of the new things that are coming and how fast microsoft is moving to not only enhance the azure stack the infrastructure service stack but also to enhance the wvd portion of 
of that offering. So, and and one other piece to all this, which is the uh, probably to me one of the most compelling technical reason, the whole multi-session Windows 10 thing. I mean, that's that's um, that's a tool that Microsoft has at their disposal that they don't seem to want to let anybody else have. Uh, let me tell my story real quick. I, I was, a, I was doing um, uh, active directory support at Microsoft when windows XP service pack two came out. And at the very last minute they pulled it out. But right before that uh, it had multi-session windows XP in it. And I was a Citrix guy who had come over and, and started working at Microsoft. And I was so excited. I was like, Oh, this is going to change the whole game. And they pulled it back. And I was so frustrated. And after time, I just, I, I forgot that they had had it. And then it shows up again, all of a sudden, magically i'm like oh yeah they they saw the value in this thing and they waited till the right moment to to let it loose again yeah and what excites me about windows 10 multi-session is um you know i say it all the time and you know i think you agree is that if the users aren't happy the project's gonna fail right and so windows 10 enables the user to really be successful but to be in a desktop scenario that they're familiar with and yeah it's multi-session yeah you could do the same thing on 2019 but 2019 versus win 10 is a very different experience so to give the user a, a feeling that they're on a desktop os and they are um is a lot it's a big difference than hey you're on a server os and yeah those icons are a little different and that's okay versus hey you're on win 10 and you know that so um so i think that plays very nicely to the user experience and that's going to help drive adoption and then the economies of scale is the biggest thing right so you, know, you can take a on average you know forty dollar per month desktop and bring it down to a you know, $7, 6 to $7 per user per month desktop and make it very affordable. And then that also allows IT shops to adopt a best of breed partner, right? And, and make it still affordable uh, on a per user per month uh, scenario. <laughs> And then add to that, and going back to my consulting days, the um, one of my favorite things to do was my my pre-project workshop where we go through all the applications and we get to that checkbox, you know, does the vendor support it on server operating system? And then watch people around the room go, yeah. And then you're like, challenge them a little bit and they go, oh, well, probably not. Well, now all of a sudden it really is on Windows 10. So that support statement question becomes much more viable. Uh, so not only does it look and feel right, but it's actually supportable uh, in most cases. Yeah, and that, yeah, that's a big thing, and it's a great point, too, because you know, a lot of people get fixated on, well, you know, you can get the same look and feel on 2019, but, yeah, they always forget about the is, – is the app supported in a server OS? So, yeah, that's a great, that's a great uh, point. There's nothing like building out a whole environment on server OS only to find out that one of the applications doesn't support it, you know, six months into it, and you have to tear the whole thing down and start over. That's uh, yeah. it happened once. It was ugly. Yep. Amen to that. And, uh, you know, a great example of that is Teams, right? Teams obviously runs better in a, in a desktop OS than it does on a server OS. And, you know, Microsoft has done a lot of things with Teams and OneDrive to do, you know, to work well in multi-session now. And even Office, for that matter, you know, the multi-session install is supported now. Um, so they've done a lot to enable this use case. Yeah. Well, that's good. Let's, uh, let's kind of wrap it up with there. We could, we could probably just, just take this one episode and go on for about two days if we really want yeah. to. Uh, we're going to meet up in another day or two and record episode two and get into the, the nuggets uh, related to the August release of WVD. And again, people should expect to see us doing this once a month and, and be waiting on the edge of their seat for this to come out, I hope. Uh, and hopefully they see this as a value add that, you know, Zintegra is doing and, and you and myself, we just personally are passionate about trying to get some of this information out 
out. Uh, you know, I, I, I love making sure people, they at least know everything I know and more. Uh, it's a big part of you know, what we do here at Zintegra. Yeah, I agree. And I'm, I'm excited because this is a fast moving uh, uh, space, but also this area of the business, uh, you know, WVD is moving very quickly and changing month to month and drastically changing quarter to quarter. I'm excited to see what's to come by year end uh, with Ignite on the horizon and, you know, just some of the commitments I've heard Microsoft make. So it'll be interesting to see if they hit those commitments and, and then tee them up for 2021. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll get some special guests, uh, you know, Brian, yeah. Matt, Doug Brown, some of those guys that join us every once in a while and kind of mix it up and we can, we can kind of, kind of argue and debate a little bit or we can all agree, which I know in those two guys, I know we're not going to all agree on everything, but uh, it'll be good. It'll be good conversation, good dialogue, good to, good to do and allow people to listen and, and make fun of us at the same time. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. All right, Pete, appreciate you joining for today and, and team will wrap this one up and we'll, we'll be back shortly. Thanks. Thanks Andy. Thank you for listening to another edition of WVD Monthly, presented by Zintegra, with your host, Andy Whiteside and Pete Downing. Thanks to podcast episode guests. Podcast produced by Pete Downing. If you are interested in joining a Zintegra podcast, email info at Zintegra.com. Podcast copyrighted by Zintegra, LLC.